podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Wrap after Liverpool 3, Aston Villa 0. Harriet Pryor this week hosting, joined by Ian Ryan, Ian Salmon and Josh Williams. I feel like I always put the two Ians together and I'm, I make life difficult for myself. Ian Square today. This season, the Anfield Wrap is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Liverpool fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. Obviously, we're going into international break now, but if you need your footy fix, it is England versus Scotland or the Trent versus Robbo fixture next Tuesday night. So why not watch it in your nearest Green King pub? Ian, 10 points from four games, first block of the season. Pretty happy with that? I'd have snapped your hand off for it, to be honest. I think when you're looking at the fixtures, those first four, I think you can put Bournemouth to one side a little bit, although you know they'll end up being... Maybe more of a tricky contest, given we go down to 10 men. But the other three, certainly, you're looking at them and thinking, there's a chance they could go either way. Some of those games, even the Villa one yesterday, and I know we'll come on to it as we move through the show, but I thought, and it's a testament to Liverpool, I suppose, that would be a really, really tough fixture, but we navigate that really well. Newcastle as well, it's its own weird thing because of the sending off and the way we kind of recover and dig in and, and find ourselves. So to get 10 from that kind of, those four games, that's a... That's a brilliant start because I think in my head, if you'd have offered me eight, I probably would have taken it, to be honest. I think even two wins, two draws, you go and that's okay. We go again after the international break. So to get the 10 from 12, is yeah, it feels massive. Yeah, and I didn't like that Chelsea was the first fixture, but I kind of like now with four games in and we've already got Chelsea away, out the way, Newcastle away, out the way. We've come through it relatively unscathed, but Klopp said yesterday after the game, best for a while, a long time. Do you agree with that based on the performance at, against Aston Villa? Completely. Uh, first off, I was disappointed. I'm, I'm now disappointed with not getting a win at Chelsea because I think we're good enough to have beaten them and we should have beaten them. Is that a hindsight um, thing, though? It's a, oh, it's definitely a hindsight thing. On the, on the day, I'd have definitely taken a draw from you from the first minute. And, but the way we started, it looked like we were going to massacre them. And then, obviously, we fade, and it, it's a good point in the end. But it's... Um, and it, it was I was happy with having it as the first fixture of the season because it was a chance to put a marker down for the rest of the season and show last season was a blip. And over the four games now, we've definitely shown it. And yesterday was just a fantastic performance. It's we were we were controlling and devastating at the same time. So we we're possession based, and it looked like we've worked out how to break down two banks of four quite easily now, and we can do it repeatedly. And if our final ball's just a little bit more accurate, we'll score six or seven against somebody who comes up and puts those two banks of four against us. We were, we were absolutely miraculous. There's the whole team from top to bottom, nobody put a foot wrong. And it was fantastic to watch because I, I believed all along last season was a blip. I believe more than ever this last season was a blip. But I, I think we're in it to win the league this season. Going big, we're only two minutes in and I, I love that chat. <laughs> time, Josh, time perfectly for the time of the first goal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Josh, we'll come on to talk about the kind of individual performances and the ins and outs, but what did you make of the team selection when you saw it drop? Because for me, I think there were some question marks over whether Darwin was a bit of a risky choice from a defensive point of view, considering you had no Virgil van Dijk and no Canate. Do you like the lineup when you saw it initially? Yeah, it was. A, I think it was a bold lineup, wasn't it? He went for McAllister in the six, which I was a little bit more surprised about than... Um, than Darwin starting I think Aston Villa under Emery play on offside trap so if you've got Darwin Nunes in your team you're probably going to use him against that sort of thing so and he scored two two game, two goals the previous week so I had no idea no, no issue with uh, with Darwin starting um, obviously a makeshift back line a little bit and 
uh, put an end on the bench and stuff like that. But the way in which the team just performed as a collective just kind of allowed us to to move past that really. And I thought that the way in which Robbo and, and Trent in particular kind of interpreted their own roles to kind of almost mask the fact that Virgil had gone and we were a bit more safer, I felt, in possession a lot of the time. And it just allowed Liverpool to retain control a lot uh, compared to previous weeks. Like 10 points from the first 12 is, is brilliant. But I think in a few of the games so far, we've kind of... It's been a little bit fortunate, to say the least. I think the Newcastle games are just, you know, it's never going to happen again, is it? Uh, down to 10 men against Bournemouth and the Chelsea game, I think we were hanging on a little bit for a point at the end. This is the first game where I've kind of looked at the performance and, and felt like, yeah, we definitely deserve to win that game. And if we can perform like that every week, there's very few teams in the league that can deal with us. I'll come back to you because you tweeted about Klopp's comments in the post-match press conference yeah. and I'll read them out for people that haven't seen. So he said, the mix in possession between control and direction was close to perfect. That's how it felt. We could use the formation stay properly. Everybody wanted the ball or protected or showed or offered. What was it in particular that you liked about those comments or resonated with? Well, I've touched on this a few times so far this season in terms of like Liverpool's defensive game has been the ongoing narrative that Liverpool can't defend. And I haven't disagreed with that necessarily. But it's been, for me, a product of the way in which we've used the ball. And I've been putting that down to like the fact we've got Robbo just constantly trying these 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 long passes, direct passes that aren't really overly needed. Trent is a Hollywood guy all the time. Um, there's no chill kind of with Trent at times. Um, and then McAllister's a bit more offensive-minded than the typical six. And it's resulted in Liverpool playing a bit of a basketball game, I felt. This was the first game in which Liverpool, for me, controlled the game. Um, accelerated the game at the right times um, dictated the tempo and uh, really used the box as well I think the box midfield is supposed to give you dominance in the middle of the park but we've almost bypassed the box a lot of the time with these direct passes over the top and we did that last we, we did that yesterday to be fair um, but it just felt like a lot more of a controlled performance and, and we had the balance between relentless attacking and, and threatening in behind and trying to kill the balls all the time and retaining control of the ball and not really giving Aston Villa many opportunities to hear us. Yeah, Ian, I'll come to you on this one because I thought if you looked at the game, that was an example of how the system should work. And we've talked about a lot of the negatives and the way that it leaves us a bit susceptible and vulnerable in defensive areas. But if you're looking at the positives, I think you can take that game yesterday and show anyone that doubts it and say this is what it should look like when it does work. Yeah, I'd say so. I think, you know, different teams present different challenges and I think... It was interesting that Villa decided not to maybe tweak their system a little bit. I spoke to a Villa fan before the game and he was he was adamant that although they like to play a high line and an offside trap, as Josh says, for certain games he thought it would be game dependent where they might mm. just drop 10 or 15 yards. Surprised they didn't press more because they went with more of the high line but then they didn't press in yeah. the, they, with the intent that they usually do. They reminded me of Liverpool a little bit at the start of last season where you're going to play this high line but then you've got lads in the middle of the park and even your forward players who aren't, for whatever reason, prepared to close down. So if you're going to allow someone like Trent to get on the ball, if you were making a list of players who can hit you with either short or long passing, he's probably either one or two in the league. He's that good. And there was so much time for them to pick and choose. So I think Josh's point's right. At times this season, we've been a little bit over-eager maybe to play the Hollywood pass. But we picked and chose our moment really well yesterday, I thought. Uh, and I thought, you know, both both fullbacks were, were excellent. I think Robbo's taking a little bit of stick. Maybe, you know, back end the last season, nearly part of this season, some of it warranted, some of it a little bit over the top. I thought he was excellent. And then the two centre-halves come in and they both... I wouldn't say prove people wrong because the season's long and there'll be different challenges. And I think different games, as I said before, will present different kind of 
barriers and issues, but those two really stepped up. It was it was a great performance, and I think it's one of those games where you walk out the ground and you're speaking to people, and it's almost it's quite difficult to pick a man of the match. Everyone you're speaking to has got a different kind of well, it could be him, you know, and you're like, yeah, it could be. To be fair, there was probably five or six of them who've got a real shout for being a star performer. And as I said, all trends, you know, captain in this kind of the team, first time at Anfield. He was brilliant on the ball. Some of those passes were just, they were just off the scale. And he, he's almost that trigger where you're watching Salah and you're watching Luis Diaz and they're ready to go. And he doesn't doesn't make the pass every single time. But if he wants to, he, you know, he can. He's got the delivery. And I think, you know, Villa really struggled with that, you know, pushing up. It felt such a dangerous thing to do when you know what Liverpool have got in terms of weapons from an offensive point of view. And we punished them. Yeah, I want to come back to you on the Trent thing because it's interesting you talk about how much space he had on the ball and I thought part of that for me was the fact that he wasn't inverting so much into midfield but actually sometimes swapping with Matip in the centre-back role and I think having that step back when they weren't pressing as high meant that he just had the vision of the whole pitch and the space. Do you think that made a big difference that sometimes he did just sit a bit further back and and was able to play the pass from that position? 100%. I think there were times when Trent would move into midfield and you can almost see him level with maybe someone like a McAllister but then there were times as you said there massive push out to the right hand side Trent would drop another what 10, 15, 20 yards and with his vision and his ability to deliver a ball pretty much anywhere on the pitch it was a, it was a hell of a weapon for Liverpool to have and Villa couldn't get close and you know I think maybe the conditions play a little bit of a part in, in what then plays out as well because it was hot I mean it was fucking roasting the cop but it was <laughs> it would have been hot pitch side as well and I think you know if you're going to try and press aggressively all the time maybe you have got to pick and choose but Villa, for me, just looked like a team when, where they were lacking ideas a little bit. I was a bit surprised because I think going into that match, I'm thinking this could be the toughest game this because of maybe there's a little bit of PTSD from last season where you're thinking they were really difficult to break down and when they got ahead, they made it really awkward, but there was none of that at the weekend. Yeah, Ian, he speaks about the the formation, everyone wanting the ball or protecting or showing or offering. And, and for me, I think what he's drawing on there is the mentality of the team yesterday, the fact that they all seem to work hard for each other. Do you think that's been a change at the start of this season, which maybe at times last season when Liverpool weren't performing too well, they weren't performing as a unit, they didn't look like they instinctively knew where each other were on the pitch or work as hard for each other. Is that been something you've noticed in the game yesterday, but also at the start of the season in general? I think it's it's a massive change. I think there's, there's a surety in everything that we were doing yesterday. Uh, because there were, there were runs that you could see were about to be made by the forwards where we chose not to make the pass because the pass was going to be riskier than just keeping the ball. And we're, we're certain of everything we're doing. I think a great deal of it comes from the shape of the midfield. So whereas obviously Matip's dropping back to the right for Trent to go forward a little bit, there's times when Spozlai was playing right back. Mm. There's about two minutes in the second half where we go, you know, we'll just play an orthodox 4-4-2 for five minutes and see what happens. And we know what we're doing. And I think so much of it is built on the fact we've now got an extremely mobile midfield three. Um, McAllister, I know we'll get onto the players individually later, but I kept waiting for McAllister to do something flamboyant and stunning. And he's not going to. He's just going to do everything really, really well. I was quite surprised to see him start as the six because I was expecting this to be Jones starting at the six and McAllister pushing forward to where he normally is. But why change something that's working? And yesterday, I, I don't think it's, I don't think yesterday is so much the system working as a version of the system. And I think there will be times when we do see Trent turning up on the left-hand side of the top end of midfield and playing from there because we can do it against certain teams and obviously didn't think we could do it yesterday. 
But we tactically, um, every yeah, this is one of the things someone we probably won't come on to, but the way it counts for Klopp, um, Joel Kwanzaa, uh, whose name I just probably mangled, <laughs> is um, he's in he's in the squad because he takes coaching well, mm. and he understands what's being needed of him, and you could see the back line. The coaching they've gone through the entire back line for this game, just in terms of the way that Jürgen talks about how Gomez was stepping out and he was defending on the front foot all the way through the game against very dangerous players. So everybody on, the, on that team had accepted the coaching that had been appointed to the new system, had accepted what their role was and fully understood it and was flexible enough to change it around. There's, there's a beautiful thing we've been doing for, since the first game where very quietly, so Bosley comes very, very close to McAllister to get the ball and then just wanders off to where everyone's to go again. But he's always there, he's always offering, he's always showing, ready to pick up the ball, literally like five yards away from him and then go back to where he's supposed to be. And I think where he's supposed to be is most of the pitch at the moment. Yeah, let's go a bit further into the midfield, Josh, because the same fixture last season, you could really easily see how much Liverpool's midfield were getting overrun and that was the big change and the contrast. It's just really nice, isn't it, to have midfielders that you feel like can do something with the ball that can progress the ball further up the pitch and crucially can run for 90 minutes and, and how much of a difference did that make? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Liverpool had intensity in the middle of the park and, and with this extra body, with this with this system, it allowed us to dominate the game and, and, and control things and... You know, lots of players in there who are, who are technically proficient and can receive the ball in tight spaces without feeling pressurised. I think that was maybe one of the weaknesses attached to the system when Henderson was involved. I think he's a little bit less comfortable doing that. Um, Sobosly less so. And um, I think overall, just the, the, the way in which the midfield worked and dominated the game just kind of gave us a platform to to control things. And then, as I said earlier, just kind of accelerate the game when it's when it's right to do so. Like, I was... Um, I was sat on the cot myself and, and there was a fella behind me um, and he, every time we'd kind of dominate the ball in the middle and we'd play with the ball in, around like the centre circle and that waiting to accelerate the game, waiting for the right moment, he'd scream quicker, 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 like that. And I was kind of like, I feel like that's more going to be an attachment to the previous Liverpool under Klopp because it has like that kind of direct but controlling dominant side. It, the way in which the profile of the players and, and things like that whereas now if, you, if you're adopting a new shape with the ball you need that control to, to, to adopt that shape and get in, get in your positions and, and then dominate the game and you need to accelerate the game at the right time and stuff like that and I think it's it's kind of like a, a bit of a bed and in period with that kind of get almost Liverpool getting used to calming down basically and, and um, not just being relentlessly you know, basketball end-to-end like we maybe have been in the past a little bit. And I think now we need to almost edge a little bit towards what City have been doing in the past, really. And I think that's going to be something for us to get used to as supporters, really. Yeah, and I felt like that with the press as well. It wasn't constant press. It was picking your moments, knowing when to go, knowing when to hang, hang back. But the press, when it worked, worked really well. And you see that clear as day for the first goal. It, we press, we win the corner, and that leads to the first goal. What did you make of how they pressed yesterday as a team and, and when they chose to go and when they chose to hang back? Yeah, I think they executed it pretty well. I think, and again, I did mention the conditions before, I think it was tough to kind of be full throttle for, for 90 minutes because, as I say, you know, you don't expect maybe that in September, but it was, it was boiling hot. But I think... What we have got now, and, and Josh alluded to it there, you know, there are now players who are not only physical, but they are, as Josh mentioned, they're technically proficient with the ball. But I think Liverpool have recruited well. Um, I think we will come on to maybe where there's one or two gaps, but 
the players they have brought in, you can see why they've identified those players. And, and Ian mentioned McAllister before, and I think he struck me as one of those players really where sometimes you watch all the games and maybe if you're not fully engaged and you're on your phone, you're not paying that much attention, you wouldn't necessarily notice him. But if you've got eyes on him, my God, you kind of you get to see exactly what he's about. He's such an intelligent footballer. He knows when to give it long, when to give it short. Not everything will come off because he's playing in the engine room and sometimes, you know, that is the busiest part of the pitch, obviously, so you are going to lose it now and again. But he just looks like he's got tons and tons of intelligence. And I've mentioned this before on the show, um, but I remember Paul Ince watching him last year when Brighton played Manchester United and he just waxed lyrical about him for about 20 minutes. And you can say what you want about Ince when he came to Liverpool, but at Manchester United, he knew what a midfielder was all about. And he, he just described him as this kind of all-encompassing midfielder where he can be a little bit subtle at times but he can be aggressive when he needs to be as well I think you see that in some of the pressing and how it plays out but I think what Liverpool have got is a midfield there full of, of full of kind of enthusiasm and drive and you know ability and there's lads now who can get a goal as well you see it with Sabozlai and the finish is just ridiculous like I was convinced it taking a deflection but I've looked at it again and I can't see it I can't see it nicking anyone at I all it had a but it, maybe it does but it, it's some strike either way yeah. and you know he left looks well, yeah. and left footed as well but he, but he does look like that that footballer who is almost the complete player where if you were to say to me in two or three years' time he's going to end up in this part of the pitch, it wouldn't surprise me because he just looks like he's got the lot. Looks like he can play with both feet. Doesn't panic under any kind of pressure. He's big, he's strong, powerful. You can't get near him. And he's almost like that, the biggest kid in school where he just people are just bouncing off him and he just looks physically more imposing and stronger than anyone else around him. And for him to come in and settle... And impressed the way the way he has, it's it's an unbelievable start for him to be honest. And absolutely like relentless until the very end. I don't know how he does it. The stamina he must have because he literally runs that entirety of the ninety minutes and looks like he could go. go and again he's twenty two as well. He's twenty two years of age. Yeah. yeah. Um, in getting the early goal, Liverpool, I feel like always do tend to stay on top when they do get the early goal. I mean, obviously we do let teams back in and we've seen that multiple times over the last kind of season, but it is a reminder that when we do go on top and have that confidence and that momentum, it does seem to carry us through to the end if we manage to have good spells like that. I, I think that's also helped us, the fact that we went ahead so quickly after coming from behind in a very short space of time against Newcastle. So in gameplay, we basically probably scored three goals in about six minutes there. <laughs> uh, but it's... If you've done that, you've got the confidence to know that it's working already and you can push from there. And then we, we kind of, we just controlled it for the 20 minutes after and then scored another. So we, we scored goals at the perfect times, just a you know, couple of times where we kind of allowed Villa to get back in a little bit then just closed them down again. So once you've got that, that safety net, that surety of the early goal, you know you've got plenty to build on and obviously a home makes all the difference the fact that you can build on it from there but it is it's a beautiful goal I I, I thought it had gone clean at first then match the day said I had a deflection I haven't had a chance to watch it back again yet so I'm going with it was a perfectly clean strike it was a beautiful strike <laughs> we'll go with that well, we're going to come on to talk about individual performances and go a lot more into him in, in just a minute but Josh it's a bit early I know to think about the season ahead and how it could play out and I just wanted to take a moment when it is the first international break to reflect on what the aims are have the aims changed from the start of the season to now I think people were talking about top four do you still feel like that's the aim do you feel like this Liverpool team are good enough to compete at the top of the table where do you stand on it uh, it's a tricky one now. Um, I, I think we should be aiming higher than top four person I think that's that's an aspiration for like Brighton 
personally. Like someone who I'd seen that is not accustomed to qualifying for Champions League very often. Liverpool for last season, main reason we didn't qualify for the Champions League was the fact that the midfield was shattered. And other than that, we still finished. How many points were we off fourth? Like it was, it was quite close in the end, weren't it? Like we ended up finishing fifth. Mm. That was like as bad as we could have possibly been. So, um, I think this season, especially based on the the Aston Villa game, that that was a lot more reassuring for me to to see that perform. Not the result, the performance for me, the way in which we controlled the game. Um, it it looked a lot better. It looked a lot more controlled and. Um, if you think of last season, for example, the two most controlled sides were, were Arsenal and City. They ran away with the league comfortably. So, it obviously you need a bit of luck with injuries and things like that. But I think, I think you've got to go for the league. You, you've got to go. Whether we will get there, I don't know. I think we've got an outside shot, Ari. Uh, I think City is still overwhelming favourites. But if you're looking at like targets and you're in the group now, and you're looking at the first four games, we've got ten points out of twelve. We've now got a break. Got a few new lads in. Gravenberg hasn't played a minute yet. Sobosly has, has been, you know, to be fair, he's played every single minute. Um, <laughs> McAllister has been playing out of position a little bit, and though still getting accustomed to, to being in, in England and things like that. So, the, the start we've had, I think we can aim at for an unrealistic title charge, and I think we can potentially do it, but it feels like a bit of a long shot. So, I don't really know what I'm getting at there. It's, it's like a, a long shot title charge, I think. Um, and beneath that, I think you kind of. There's no need to give yourself that seal. And I think it's too early yet to get carried away because we've had a great start and it is a great start, but the season is long and lots of different things will happen. And I think there will be times when things don't go our way and the bounce of the ball isn't quite with us and you've got to react to that and you've got to you have got to navigate, you know, difficult matches and difficult kind of circumstances. And so far we've done that. So, you know, it's a it's a massive tick in the box. But I think and I know we're going to come on to it, you know, recruitment is is big in this. And I think Liverpool have, have still maybe just left themselves a little bit short. But Josh's point's right, you know, if you get a bit of bit of luck with injuries, then who knows? I think the, the trend thing where he comes off with a hamstring now, I know there's an England kind of, you know, I think there's two games, isn't it, for England? Um, and maybe it's just a case of, well, it's a little niggle and he doesn't mind missing those two matches and he'd be fine for Wolves. But if he was all of a sudden out the team for four to six weeks with a slightly kind of bigger tear or something and then it's all of a sudden it's Gomez a full back and then you've lost one of your centre half back ups then you can see how seasons can can then get away from you a little bit mm. but from what we've seen so far I mean there's lots and lots to be excited about I think Joe Gomez says something after the game where it's just about you know the old adage just taking each game as it comes which I know is a bit kind of boring but it is really really appropriate and just kind of working your way into a season and if you work your way into a season, sometimes you can find yourself in a position where you think, Jesus Christ, I didn't see this coming. Like, the next game's Wolves. If you win that, you're top of the league. Now, I know teams will then play after Liverpool, but it just sends out a little bit of a statement and people can maybe walk a little bit taller and go, you know what, we're all right here. We're doing okay. So, I think, and Arsenal do a little bit like that. Do something similar to that last season where no one suspects Arsenal going to come from fifth to, to almost winning the league. And I know they fall away. And they run out of legs a little bit. But there are times there when you're thinking, could he do it? Could he do it? And they're nowhere near the year before. But with a little bit of smart recruitment, and that is really, really important, that smart recruitment piece, with a bit of, you know, really kind of adding quality to your team and your squad, you can go on a bit of a journey. I, I think it's also, there's a smart recruitment that we've we've obviously done. I know people have talked about the players that we didn't sign, but there's also that smart understanding of the backroom team of what they've already got. Um, a year ago, I didn't know who Stefan Badgetich was. 
And now, as far as I'm concerned, he's a first-team player. A year ago, I'd never heard of Levi Colwell. By June, I was prepared to spend 18 million quid on him. <laughs> I'd seen him play like for about 15 minutes, but he was clearly at the reputation. Who's not to say Quanta is going to be as good in a year's time as Colwell was at the end of the season? Because Jürgen knows that, Pep knows that. They know they know the levels that the lads are at that we don't know. I've been adamant since the day before the season started that we're going to win the league this season. I see. I'm not certainly not going to change my mind on it, and I might be deluded. I might be demented, <laughs> but I don't see any reason not to go into the season winning, believing that you should win the league that season. So I'm going to believe it again this season. Josh, we'll talk a bit more about individual performances now. Then I'm going to go kind of through the pitch, and I do want to start with the goalkeeper. And I don't think he was one of the standout performers yesterday, but he does make that save on two nil. Which, if that goes in, the trajectory of the game changes. And I feel like every single game we're talking about one of these saves that Allison pops up with, and it just underlines the importance of having an incredible goalkeeper every week, doesn't it? Yeah, for me, he's, the, he's comfortably the best in the world uh, in terms of his, his all-round game, what he offers in, in terms of sweeping and distribution and. Uh, shot stopping especially and I think so far this season you'd probably comfortably say that the 10 points that we have got we probably don't get anywhere near that so far we haven't got Alisson in goal um, stepping up in big moments and I've, I've touched on it I've even been impressed but even like the media duties he's he's kind of conducted the way he speaks and everything is you can tell he's a real big figure in that dressing room proper leader and that and when you get a goalkeeper that good they obviously don't come around very often it's it's such a shame if you don't just clean up in terms of trophies and really go for everything because he's such a difference maker on his own to the extent where like your performance doesn't even have to be that great. You can just get a positive result because your goalkeeper keeps you in the game. Um, so yeah, he's a, he's a massive, massive player for us and I hope we can we can pick up more silverware in, in, the, in the coming years with him on board because when, when he goes, we're going to really experience a drop there because no one's anywhere near him for me. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned, Ian, about saying that most of the players on the pitch could go through and be player of the match, and that I've struggled to pick out a few players to talk about, so I'm literally going through the whole team. But let's talk about the centre-backs. Klopp was talking in his post-match press conference, and he spoke about Gomez having to deal with the pace of Diaby, who was drifting into the 10 or 9.5 position, I think he called it. Does that really well. He said that left Matip really exposed on a 1 versus 1 against Watkins. He said, we all know that Matip isn't as, as quick as Watkins, but he dealt with it so well. First clean sheet of the season as well. A lot of people were worried going into the game about those two as a centre-back partnership, but do you think that was justified? I think, understandably, people would have had an eye on it and thought, I don't know, you know, because someone like Watkins has caused Liverpool so many problems in the past as well. I think he'd scored in five out of the last six. It's probably the quietest I've seen us keep him, to be honest. And yeah. I think, and I know he has scored this season, mainly in the Europa League, but um, or in the qualifying games. Is it the conference that or the Europa? I'm not too sure, but it was the Hibs game. And he, he bags us and he bags the hat-trick in that. But in all the other games I've seen him, he has been a, a constant threat because of his movements and his physicality. And he does like running channels and stuff like that. But Liverpool handle him ever so well. I think you know, Joe Gomez and the performance he puts in, not only at Newcastle, but obviously yesterday as well, he's outstanding. And I think... It's been a difficult one for Joe because it's easy to forget how good he was between 2018 and 2020 where he maybe gets overlooked a little bit because he's playing next to the best centre-half in the world at the time. And if you were uh, maybe a passing watcher of Liverpool or if you're a fan of another club, I don't think you're taking loads of notice of what Joe Gomez is doing. But there was games where he was hitting such heights and he was performing so well. I always think of a game away at Leicester and I think it's the one where Alisson makes the mistake He's outstanding that day on the cover. He's constantly on the cover for Virgil. He doesn't really get loads of applaudits because of who he's playing next to. But that performance, 
he delivered a lot of them across the course of what, maybe 18 months, two years. And I think, and also it's worth remembering because of Virgil and who he is, no one ever went near him. No mm. one ever went near him. So everything came down, kind of Gomez's side. And I think it's easy just to forget the kind of heights he was able to get to. And then he has more injuries and you feel incredibly sorry for him because you know what he's able to deliver, but it looks like his body's just letting him down. And I think it gets to the point where, and I don't know what goes on in players' heads, but you could almost see it kind of really playing out in some of his performances where he didn't trust his own body. And there are games where, you know, he is unfortunately delivering kind of threes, fours out of ten. But what's also difficult for him is that he's being dropped in. And that's really hard. Yeah. And unless you get a run of games, we don't know how difficult that is. And don't get me wrong, football is harsh. And sometimes you've just got to take your opportunity when you get it. And that is the reality of, of the situation a lot of the time. But I just hope now that he's he's got the shirt and he's well within his rights to say, let me go again. Even when others come back, listen, Virgil will walk back into the team. But maybe he can be a little bit more careful with Canati because he does pick up injuries. And I still think Canati is Virgil's best partner, don't get me wrong. But there's signs there that Joe all of a sudden, and it is still early days, you've got to remember that. But there are signs where maybe he looks a little bit quicker, dare I say it. You know, at Newcastle, I thought there was definitely a a little bit more of an edge to his game. He was being a bit more aggressive. And as I say, if Liverpool can't get him back to anywhere near the levels of maybe two, three years ago, they have got themselves still a very good centre-half. Yeah, let's move on to the full-backs NAM because both of them, I thought, didn't really put a foot wrong. What did you make of Trent and, and Robertson's performances? To go backwards, um, Robbo can't play in this system, apparently. <laughs> uh, Robbo was fantastic. It was as good a performance I've seen him play in for probably a couple of years he covered everything he dealt with everything a uh, few great interceptions he was he was ushering his man to sidelines it it was just it was just absolutely immaculate and Trent obviously as we discussed before he's he's doing more with the ball but he's doing it intelligently and he's he was playing a slightly more restrained position but he also had that gallop forward where if if he'd have actually hit it on target it would have been one of the goals of the season because he picks it up on the edge of our box and then decides might as well just go and have a shot then. And he was he was excellent. My worry is that um, I know it's, they said it's his hamstring. He'd gone through a tackle. There'd been a tackle on the right-hand side going towards the cop just in front of me where the game should have been stopped and then the next tackle went straight through Trent and he came out of it holding his foot and it looked like he'd really taken the blow to it. So I don't know exactly how badly he was hurt the weekend. The worry is that if you lose him, if you lose him, we just go 4-4-2 again, don't we? You, know, you just change the system back and Gomez can play right back and it might deter. But, but Trent in that kind of form and for him to do that, to turn up and play a captain's role on his first time leading out the team as vice-captain, as a proper captain at Anfield. It's a fantastic day for him. He, he, he was just... He, he was the Trent of old. He was the Trent the, uh, of old. He was only a bit cheeky at times last season. The Trent that people claim can't defend, defended, and the, the Trent that people play, claim can't attack, attacked, and he was brilliant again. Yeah, Robertson as well. I thought shout out to him because he was just absolute perfection. We're going to move on to midfield. I feel like I literally am going through every player, but so was I was was just ridiculous again and the levels he's hitting already when he doesn't really know the team that well doesn't really know the league that well it's actually quite scary the potential that he could have and, and the player he could go on to be yeah so 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 impressed with him so far um he's, he surprised me in terms of the level he's reached already and specifically i think the physical level has surprised me most he, he, he's an absolute physical monster and he, he's played every minute i think i'm right in saying 
Um, you can tell he's got kind of like that Red Bull nature in to, to go and press and, and regain possession all the time and that. Um, and with the ball, you know, as we've said, he's, he's so technical and um, almost like Shireen when he's in possession of it. And I think his deliveries from set pieces, it's like a golf swing. It's like a pitching wedge into the, into the penalty box and that. And he's a proper weapon for us to use now, Sobos Lion. The best way I can describe him is that I think so far he's kind of showcased every every positive element about Jordan Henderson's game, but with all the technical quality to go and deliver in the final third with like goals and assists and playing in tight pockets of space and, and things like that. So proper upgrade and obviously he's the captain of his country as well. I think we've seen certain leadership moments. I think he's one of them in the Gerard mould in terms of like um, leading through dynamic actions and, and kind of by example and things like that. Um, but yeah, we've got a serious player there and I can't wait to see what he's going to become because so far for me, he's, uh, I mean, it's four games in, but he's he's got a shout for player of the season so far. Like, I mean, it's very, very early days for that. Like, but he, he, he started the season better than anybody. Yeah, it's true on the leadership point. There was a time when Matip just kicked the ball and it get, he gave away the corner and he was really beating himself up. And so I was like, was the first one to go over and be like, right, come on, we're, we're fine. We're, we've got this. I really like that element to his game. He feels like he's not afraid to tell other people what he thinks already. And that's really good for a player that's just come in. Let's move on to the forward line. I'm sorry, McAllister, I have skipped you and we've already kind of... Hinted, I talked about it before. We've hinted at why yeah. exactly. So you, you've come you've come on to that. But Nunes and Salah, the goals, what did you make of their link-up play? What did you make of Nunes? Another good game for him, another slightly mad game. You never really know what you're going to get. What, what did you think we got from him yesterday? I thought he was good. I think there's no doubt those two players you've just mentioned, they enjoy playing with each other. Absolutely no doubt about it at all. And I think I think Salah likes that. Nunes does bring a lot of unpredictability. And I think Salah's cute and clever enough to be able to kind of work those spaces um, that Nunes will obviously maybe drag defenders into other areas and stuff because he is all action. And again, he's involved, isn't he? That's, all, that's what he wants. Don't get me wrong. There's a one or two where it's bouncing off him a little bit. Um, but I think we already know that. I think there are far more, for me, positives than negatives when when Nunes plays. And I think in this system, you really see the best of him as well. I think he probably should score when he gets through and it's the post. And again, that's just a delicious ball from Trent, which he's got no right to play. Salah puts him in. And obviously Darwin hits the post, but it ends up in the back of the net. Um, he could have had a hat-trick on another day. He generally could have had a hat-trick. He goes with that one second half where he literally just... He goes at it with everything he's got. <laughs> everything he's got. Legs, <laughs> arms, head. He's trying to get forced over the line. And in the end, it just misses. Um, and obviously, he sets up Salah as well for the for the, for the third. Um, he gets up really well. And it's a, it's a little flick. And, and Salah finishes it off. Um, what Liverpool have got are five of the best forward-thinking players anywhere across Europe. And I don't think it has to be this thing where, well, he's got to play this game or he's got to play that game. I think there are times when, for me, you probably want to see Salah and Diaz start the majority. I think they're almost, I wouldn't say certainties, and you've got to give people you know, rests and breaks and all that. But I think them two have started the season well and they're a constant threat. They're always in the game. They can beat men. Um, Diaz actually probably has one of his quietest games in terms of what's gone on before but for me still plays well and then I think you can rotate between Gakpo and, and Nunes and, and Jota and Jota can probably sit there and think I'd had lines there you know because I've started the season pretty well and don't get me wrong I've not played great in every minute of every game but he has come to the party at really important times for Liverpool and then Gakpo probably been 
Liverpool's least effective forward so far. But again, there's probably mitigation there because he's been playing a little bit deeper in games. But that shows he is flexible as a footballer, although it's probably not his best position when you see him in a number eight. But if you think about his performances at the back end of last season, he was Liverpool's standout, I think, for large parts. Really, really intelligent player. Was scoring all different types of goals. Got a shot on him from outside the box. He's big, he's powerful. He's not quite found his rhythm in his form yet, but that's not to say he won't. But um, again, back to who's got the shirt. And, and Darwin might be thinking, you know, come Wolves, um, next away game. It's an away game. They may come on to Liverpool a little bit at different times. Maybe there's opportunities for them to start again. But then when you've got people like Jota knocking about with such intelligent forwards, you're happy with any of them starting, to be honest. Yeah, Nunes, Gakpo and Jota all offer something really different. And that's something that Klopp can draw on that versatility and the fact that he can line up different against different opposition will be a, a huge bonus point to him, won't it? Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Well, we haven't mentioned Curtis Jones. Anyone got anything to say? He's the only player we haven't spoken about, so I feel like I just needed to say his name. But I, I have definitely thoughts on Curtis Jones. Oh, yeah. Go on. I, I think uh, <laughs> I think Gakpo's got a little bit of a problem there, to be honest, because Gakpo started the first two games of the season in midfield as a left-sided eight, and I think um, Klopp's viewed that as like um, that's a way in which Gakpo can get into the team, and I th- in those games, I think he. Don't get me wrong, I love the player and I think he he can play at moments and things like that, certain games and that, but he was a bit of a black hole, I felt, in those two games in terms of like going back to that quote, really, touching the ball, getting on the ball, offering himself. He was just kind of, he was a bit non-existent and you can see that in the numbers as well. I had a look uh, last week and I think at the time he is averaging about 20 passes per 90 or something like that in that role. For a bit of perspective on that, Curtis Jones is on 50 per 90 last season. Sobuxlai is on 50 per 90 on the opposite side. So Gakpo's kind of getting a little bit bypassed there. And I think he's obviously a forward as well. And I think if you compare him to Jones, who came into the team, um, Jones is more a midfielder by nature. He's a lot more inclined to keep the ball. He's, a, he's less inclined to force it and to, to really drive with the ball. Um, I think he's a lot more... I mean, Gakpo's intense, to be fair to him, but Curtis Jones' press in particular this year, I think, has improved considerably. So I think Jones had a massive impact yesterday on Liverpool's balance. Um, just having an extra midfielder, an actual midfielder in the box, rather than an additional forward. As a result of that, we're a lot more controlled all of a sudden. I'm not saying Curtis Jones is the only reason why, but I think he definitely had an impact on it. So getting Jones in the team, for me, there's you know there's shinier names there's there's bigger names in the squad, but Jones for me is really really important for us and I think we we saw his value like yesterday for me. There was elements I thought of Gini Wijnaldum and and yeah. Yeah, this a play yesterday where there was a couple of people around me saying he's not done much as he Jones but I think you know your point there Josh is right I think he he helped Liverpool kind of keep it ticking over he's a physical presence as well at six foot one and I think that helps in terms of the midfield battle he is pretty sensible with the ball. I know we used to get this thing where he chooses a little bit and he probably still does to an extent. But again, his performances towards the back end of last season were outstanding. And I think, you know, he's a player I've I've always liked, but at the same time I've understood some of the criticism. But again, you know, he's not had loads and loads of opportunities to string games together apart from the back end of last season. For him, for me now, it's about just keeping fit. Keeping fit and firing. And if he is fit and firing, I think the manager will want to use him Maybe not more often than not, but I think he'll get his fair share of games. And at the minute, you know, without 
doing the recruitment that maybe one or two of us thought we would do in the middle of the park in terms of maybe adding that extra man. I think Kersas will play loads this season for Liverpool and I thought yesterday he was pretty good. Sum up this bit then, let's have a player of the match. I know you found it difficult, but I'll come to you first. Who would you go with? I would probably, I'm probably torn between two. I think Sabal's life for me was just outstanding from an offensive point of view. Um, it is really difficult, by the way, because Trent's got a shout. But I think Joe Gomez, and this is not to say that Aston Villa threw loads at us or the kitchen sink, but I just think he was controlled and composed. And because of what we've seen, maybe over the last 18 months where Joe struggled a little bit, I think putting some of the performances put kind of back-to-back now with the Newcastle one and then this one, I think he deserves loads and loads of credit. So I'll probably edge for, for Gomez. Yeah. It's line. I think I'm going to be saying that all season and I'm already on the yes he could be player of the season shout he looks I, I think he's the best son that's been made in the premiership so far this season I think he's going to prove that over the long term I think the lad has got literally everything and it is a hard shout for yesterday because Gomez was absolutely outstanding Trent was fantastic so many good performances across the park but Sobosla is an exciting player to watch Trent's 55th assist, by the way, in his sec- second 200... I can't read the number. 202. Well, how did you say that number? 202nd appearance. Oh, wow. It's been a long month. I'm sorry, everyone. Joshua, <laughs> who's your favourite? I'm sure we can cut that. <laughs> Leave it in, it's all right. Uh, I would go Trent, personally. Um, For his 55th assist and his 202nd appearance. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. Um, there's lots of big shouts there. Obviously, I think Gomez has got a shout. I think Sobos has got a shout for Liverpool's player of the match in all four games, I think, to be honest. But Trent, for me, um, kind of addressed every issue that's been attached to his performances so far this season in that, in that game alone. I think maybe I'm overlooking one or two performances here, but I think it's the best I've seen him play since Leeds away, I think, with the, which maybe was, was the second game with the box or something like that. In April, um, I thought you were, he, he, that comment going back to it again, where Klopp says we had the mix of control and direction to a T. I felt like that was you could put that mainly on Trent. To be honest, I felt his, his ability to dictate the game, control it, you know, not dictating the tempo as well, uh, not rushing it, and then out of nowhere he would he would see the right move and then instantly just speed up Liverpool's game at the drop of a hat. Um, his, his passing range was ridiculous, you know, sp- spreading the play all over the place and um, really just Liverpool's quarterback essentially. That was what he that was what he acted like, and you know he was switching up different positions. He was occupying centre half spaces at times, um, and I think if Liverpool are going to have a good season, t- t- Trent is going to be central to it, and him getting that balance right between the killer ball and the controller is is. is Essential, really, and I think he's been a little bit off with that so far this season. But this game, he was he was absolutely on point with it. Didn't you, by the way? Didn't know what day it was, did he? The amount of times he was on the floor, no, yes, because yeah. balls were getting lobbed <laughs> over his head. He was like, "Lad, you're on the floor again. What's going on here?" But he was just—I mean, that was just kind of. It just really kind of showcased uh, what Trent was all about. The defenders didn't know whether he was going to go left, right, or through the centre, and that's that's the kind of you know the ability he's got. He can literally go either side, and some of us passing, as you said, Josh, it was just off the scale. Yeah, I, I felt that the one where the one towards the end of the game where it goes ever so slightly over Dini's head, and it gives him a little bit of a haircut. Yeah, and then it sends Salah through, and he, I think he said something Nunes for that he one. Does, he yeah, throws that, mad one yeah. that pass, mate, was just absolutely pinpoint stuff. 
three different shouts there if you're watching on youtube let us know who you'd um vote for in the in the comments before we come on to talk a little bit about liverpool's transfer business i'm going to hand over to john gibbons speaking to pete bolster and ash getty about kip on the cop all the money raised when you hear about that is going to lfc foundation's global works program and liverpool homeless fc we're going to put the sponsorship links in the blurb so i know it's a difficult time for a lot of people but if you do have any uh, money to spare and you can contribute to that then that would be much appreciated so i'll hand over to them now and then we will come back to the room it is John Gibbons for the Anfield Wrap and we're here to talk about the kip on the cop which has taken place on Saturday at Anfield as it sounds and um, 300 odd and a few more uh, brave souls are going to be sleeping out on the cop uh, with nothing uh, but a sleeping bag to protect them from the sort of elements on there uh, to raise awareness. Uh, for the homeless uh, epidemic, uh, I will call it, that is taking place not just in Merseyside, uh, but across uh, the country. So raising awareness and also as a fundraiser to help people. So I'm in Ireland, unfortunately, uh, and the rest of the Anfield have bottled it. But these two brave gentlemen uh, who are contributors of ours, Ash Getty and Pete Bolster, are going to do it and they're going to talk about it today. So thanks for coming down, first of all, gents. No problem. Yeah, no worries. Um, so what was it about sleeping on a hard bit of concrete, Pete, uh, in, in the car? where you go anyway uh, when the team are playing yeah uh, they made you go sign me up to be honest with you John I didn't really think that much detail <laughs> about it but um, until I've just laid it out on yeah me. I mean the sleeping bag as well I think you have to provide your own sleeping bag so I'm still working on that as well so no, I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah I'm sure problem. yeah no um, it's always one of them for me I've always wanted to do something I wanted to contribute into something like a good cause and I've never done it so it's all about timing. So as soon as I see it, I thought, ah, I've got to get involved in something like that. Um, I'd be a liar to say that I've known a homeless person or there was someone in my family. But the, um, the perception of homeless people, of drug addicts and alcoholism and things like that, it actually drives me mad. It, it always has done. I've seen people over the years make negative comments. Um, my brother, so... Um, there'll be certain family members of mine now that won't thank me for this but <coughs> my brother died of a drug overdose and um, people have always made like negative comments and i i don't um, view him as a drug addict i view him as my brother mm. um someone who has obviously fell short in society and has has, has got a um what's the word i don't know like he was my brother he was a lovely kind generous person beautiful person and that's it so i view him as my brother and i think people see people when they go past them on the street they don't view them as that as they see them as a as an addict as a mm. it, they've been dehumanized and they, they're just people that it, they're, they're homeless because it's a symptom of our broken society so that's why it means something to me in that sense um and then thirdly the misconception that people are homeless because they are drug addicts or they're mm. alcoholics that's only about 30 percent a lot of them is just because there's a simple housing shortage mm -hmm. so for me i'm not going to say anything new here but we all know that there is two million homes sold from the right to buy since the 1980s they've never been replaced the population is ever expanding and there's 169 percent increase in homelessness since 2010 which coincides with the tory government so for me, it's about raising awareness and breaking down those barriers. Even if it's just on my social media, if I can just change a few minds who, who are a bit ignorant, to be honest with you, John. No, absolutely. And Ashley, there's a saying that you're only, only ever two missed paychecks from, from getting into a situation yeah. like that yourself. And 
you know, a lot of us try and save and things like that, but, but things happen in your life, you know, rainy days mm. feel more and more frequent, you know, at, at the moment. And so, you know, if I think if we all were to feel, well, what if you didn't get paid next month? And then what if you didn't get paid the month after that? And the mortgage people were chasing you and bills and everything like that, you know, how would you cope? And some of us have got support networks in our lives and some of us are lucky to, to have that. But for other people, they, they maybe haven't. So then you slip into situations and then it's harder to get a job and, and everything else around it. And, you know, Pete used the word dehumanise there, and I think we do that too much as a society. And I think for, for, for me, if something like this, you know, makes a lot of us think a little bit more about them as, as people and how, you know, no one's saying this is perfectly recreating someone yeah, yeah. being homeless because it, it's not, it's in a controlled environment and, you know, you, d you just don't have to worry about your safety. You know, it's just, it's just, he says, not doing it. Comfort <laughs> and cold and, and elements and sort of everything like that, whereas homeless people, you know, have got, have got all these extra things to sort of worry about. But, but if it does just create a bit more interest, a bit more awareness, but also a bit more sympathy, mm. then, then it's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, when we first came out and there was, you know, do you want to take part in it? I've always wanted to sort of give something back to, to, to the city and obviously something that resonates with me. And it's, you know, as you say, young, vulnerable, this is elderly kids, middle-aged people. This is no age. Um, it, it's across the board. And um, especially because we're raising money for people in our city, first and foremost, um, it's always nice to give something back. And when I noticed it was on Liverpool and Kip on the cop, I thought, well, yeah, let's go for it. As Peter, I didn't think I'd get picked. Uh, or selected. Mm -hmm. So now that I have done, it's nice to sort of be part of something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what are your tactics on the night then, Pete? Do you know what I mean? I mean, wrap up as warm as you can. Are you going to have a pint in the Alberts on the way in just to sort of steady the nerves like you do with the match? You know what I mean? What's I mean it? Do you know what? I'm trying to not think about it, John, because when I was a kid, I didn't even like going on the school trips. I was, I'm, I'm not homesick even thinking about it. Don't so, only your buddies um, straight away like on the bus. I know. Well, do you know what? On that, though, like you said, it's we cannot replicate anything like what uh, homeless people go through. So, it is just it is just one night. You you, you can't buy food there if you do eat me pack lunch on the way, John. So <laughs> so it's so it's all right, isn't it? So um, I, I don't know. It's it's probably sleeping um, on that cough is going to be more difficult than what you think. But like you said, we've been there thousands of times. So it. The irony in this, isn't it? We're keeping on the cop, but I don't think there'll be much sleeping. <laughs> we are, we are at home, aren't we? That's yeah. our second home, so yeah, you'll have the familiarity at least. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, and that's a really good point, though, isn't it? Ash, that the Pete makes and, and that you made as well is that it is one night, so yeah. used to it are going out there and doing it. And as I say, absolutely fair play. You know, it's 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 a great thing. What are you doing? But then the next day you get to go home, whereas other people, yeah. that that's not the case. It's it's night after night, and it doesn't bear thinking about really. No, it doesn't. You know, we're doing it in a controlled environment, and you know, unfortunately, people out there they don't know where what doorway to the next they go in the the, the date. You know, from one day to the next, and we've got to try and drive those numbers down. And unfortunately, they're going up at the moment. So anything yeah. we can do, little little or large, then so be it. Yeah. Um, so as well as uh, doing it for awareness and doing it, you know, to get people talking and you know, thinking about it a little bit more. It's also a fundraiser. Uh, the fundraising is being split between L LFC Foundation and also homeless charities as well. So everyone's got their own individual, you know, just giving pages and targets and things like that. Uh, the, the boys are no different. How's it going so far, the fundraising? Are people doing all right? Yeah, I've, I've passed the target. It was 250, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 250, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'm on about 320, which, you know, got through the target, which was great. And, you know, you always feel a bit sort of cheeky in a way, don't you? Because it's like people, people are struggling from you know all walks of life 
and you think, oh, I'm putting a fundraiser up for asking people for money. And, you know, I just said, you know, a penny, a pound, anything will do. Just contribute what you can mm -hmm. afford. You know, expecting hundreds of pounds. So for me, it wasn't about how much money I can raise. It was just as much, you know, get get the target to do the event in the first place, and anything after that's a bonus. Yeah, same, same for me. I think I'm on three fifty, and though, so it's get, it seems a bit competitive now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not happy about that, so yeah. make sure the donations come to me first. Um, no, it's the same if it, for me more than anything. It, it, it is a few quid going to them, isn't it? But it's just trying to change anyone's perception. Um, I, as we know, I am a school teacher, um, so I'm always trying to change people's minds. And let me tell you something, in, in the whole time I've been working as a school teacher, I've never had a child come to me and say, say, I want to be a homeless person when I'm older. Um, no one says that. It's no one's plan. No one sets out. Yeah, no one sets out. That is the, it's, it's the old, everyone has their hopes and dreams. These are people. Um, and then, like I said earlier on, somewhere along the line, something goes wrong in their life. They don't recover. They might not have that support network, John. It wouldn't happen to, to me or anyone in my family. And there are people in my family that I could pinpoint and say, do you know what? If he wasn't in our family, maybe, because there's too many of us, there's too many mm. people that care. Unfortunately, not everyone has that. They don't have siblings or cousins or things like that. So it's just about erasing awareness and changing someone's mind um, towards those people. Oh, well, good on, good on you. Yeah. I know you're still fundraising. Um, you've got it up on your own Twitter as well. Try and tweet it out as well and, and, and maybe do a, do a bit of an email sort of raising people's you know, awareness and how they could donate uh, for the lads. But find it on your Twitter piece, which is... Peter underscore bolster. <laughs> so it's just at Peter underscore bolster. Dead simple and boring. Dead simple. Like, Actually, yeah. yours is a bit more complicated, yeah. I think, isn't it? I can't remember it. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> so I think it works out being boring now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's Ash underscore G88. I think that, that makes it out uh, to me. Uh, so, so, yeah, pick, pick you whoever you think's made the most points. No, if you, go, if, you go, if you can maybe pick how much you can afford, like Ash does, you know, a lot of people are struggling at the moment, we appreciate it, uh, but if you can give it a little uh, and you think of an amount, if you want to split it into and, and donate it to the two lads, I'm sure they'd be very grateful. Obviously, the foundation will be very grateful and these homeless charities who do an amazing work uh, day in, day out in Liverpool and beyond would really appreciate it as well. So, good luck, lads. Uh, do send us some pictures. We'll throw them up on the Twitter. And uh, yes, yeah, you get on. Brilliant. Cheers. Thank you. Ian Gravenberch. How happy are you about that, first of all, and, and how quickly do you think we can expect to see him integrated into the team, or will there be a bit of a bedding-in period for him? I think there might be a little bit of a bedding-in period. I think he will get minutes pretty quickly, I think. I think the manager seems delighted we've got it over the line, and it, it looks like he's been on Liverpool's radar for for a while. And I think in terms of what he offers... You've only got to see the size of him, loads of physicality. I think he's very progressive with the ball. I think there is this thing when I've listened to people who've maybe seen him a little bit more than I have, what he's like without the ball, and that might be a bit of a journey he's got to go on. But all the signs are really, really positive. I think he'll be a great addition. He is that kind of multifunctional player that you know the manager spoke about, or it was certainly kind of spoken about on behalf of the manager. Be interesting to see what they do with him, because I think you know Tuchel's talked about him being this number eight, and I think... There's no real surprises there for people who've watched him in the past, but maybe Liverpool have got an eye on what he could become over the next, you know, 12, 18 months, two years. I think we've seen it with lots of other footballers. You know, we think they're going to be one thing and then they come and they arrive here and the manager's got a different plan for them. That might well be the case. And I know he has done stuff where he's he's kind of played in a double pivot as well. And he's able to do that. I think his passing is so good. And there's those kind of clips going around when he, he came to Anfield and he, he was good on the ball. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think he will get he will get game time pretty soon, but I wouldn't 
be expecting to start at Wolves, for instance. I think it's going to take a little bit of time and then maybe you see him kind of work his way in. Uh, injuries would stand them, but yeah, good addition. Yeah, Ian, he's decided not to go on international duty to focus on being in Liverpool, integrating himself. That's good. Quite, Didn't know that. Quite a nice sign, yeah. He's said time to focus on his new club. Shows how focused he is on making sure that he does hit the ground running and have a successful season this year with Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he appears to have been very vocal about the idea that he wants to move on from Bayern because he wanted proper game time, which he clearly wasn't getting there. I, I, I get the, I kind of think, based on very little at all, that we're looking at him as basically being a six, a left sided six because of his stature and because McAllister naturally should be that little bit further forward. And the fact that Klopp's chased him for so long would indicate he, in, he intends him to be a regular starter. But, where that is I, I think he comes in quite quickly I think he comes in against Wolves whether he starts against Wolves is a different matter but I think he probably starts as an 8 and then gravitate back towards the 6th position but one of the points that was made by somebody when we signed him was that they compared him to Pogba in terms of all the good of Pogba's game and Pogba was exactly the sort of deep lying midfielder that we could have made brilliant and just played at the wrong club for a long time so if Gravenberg can play that position, or if it's Gravenberg, Gravenberg, I haven't got a clue which way you pronounce it. Um, team's full of players I can't pronounce at the moment. It's great. Um, if he if he can play that position in that kind of style as a, as a holder who can be progressive, then it could be another change in the system for us. Josh, you've had your moment talking about him last week. People will have to go back and find the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to to Salah, and I don't really want to give it much airtime, but. Klopp did say after the game, I didn't realise the distraction all week. Mo didn't look for a second like he thought about anything else other than Aston Villa. Just once again, shutting it down. Don't expect any changes in stance on that, I'm guessing, before the end of the transfer window in Saudi Arabia. Obviously, it's closed here now. No, I mean, it's you, you obviously don't want to lose him. Um, I think he's he's irreplaceable in Liverpool's attack at the minute, um, largely because he's left fuzzled above anything else. And, and, and he adds a specific dynamic, I think, because of that. Um so he's, he's a massive player for us and obviously he still looks just as sharp as ever whenever you watch him. Uh, he's still an output merchant. I've seen a, a little start yesterday saying he's he's returned a goal and assist now in every Premier League, in the past 10 Premier League games in a row. And he's the first player to do that since himself two years ago. Which is just, you know, it sums him up. It sums how crazy, how crazy he is. Breaking but, his own records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's he's, you know, he's some player, but I have thought about just doing a I think if we were to receive an offer for him that started with a two, I mean, it is it is ridiculous. You know, it, it would make you think at least. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I'd do it anyway. But if it starts with a two... I hate to break you, but you're not getting any, yeah. a penny of that yeah. money, Josh. So. No, no, no. What if it starts yeah. with a three? Well, uh, then he's... Then he's, I mean, then he's gone. If it starts well, with the, a three, he's gone. The world record is, is 220, and yeah. I'm not sure that was pounds either. I think that, that I was think, Euros, I think one nine seven of this in yeah. pounds. So who's that? Neymar. Neymar, yeah. So you know, it's very easy for me to sit here and say like you know we we shouldn't sell him. I, I don't think we should sell him, but at the same time, there's a small part of me that's like that's insane. Like starting with a two is ridiculous, and people won't want to hear this either. People. Listen, now we'll probably be thinking, no, you don't sell him, you don't sell your best player, it's Liverpool and all this stuff. I don't want to wear it, just to be honest. <laughs> I don't want to wear it. I don't want to wear myself. But <laughs> it, 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 you know, their opening bid was supposedly like 100 million, could reach 150 or something like that, with realistic add-ons apparently. So 
I'd love to know what those add-ons were. You know, what add-ons do you give yeah, for somebody know. who's playing in the Saudi league? Probably just appearances or, or goals, goals or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. If, but if, if, yeah, he'd be on about 300 feet. goals for the season, wouldn't he? Well, yeah. I think it's yeah. a different conversation if it's maybe six weeks ago. I think mm. Liverpool then would have to take that offer and go, well, actually, we can do something about this. But I don't like the idea, and I'm not saying you're right the season off if you sell them, but you're making it really hard for yourself without one of the best players in the world. I think I can get on board with this might be his last season. And then you you kind of, you know, you use that money, you reinvest it. You can do an awful lot with the money you'll get off Mohamed Salah. I don't think they're going away. I think they're coming back next year, maybe with not the same bid in terms of astronomical figures that start with a two, but I still think it'd be a hefty bid. Yeah. They really want him. And he could go and play there till whatever whatever time he wants, late 30s, maybe even 40. I mean, it's a league where he, he, he could probably coast looking at it right now. I think he's got eyes on the prize in terms of doing more stuff with Liverpool. And I just don't think you can be letting a player of that calibre go when you can't do a single thing about it. I know everyone's got the price and it might get silly and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's wound me up a little bit that it's come in so late because they've had all summer to do something about it. So there's something not quite right there. But also, yes, the money's great and you can go and reinvest it maybe in, in January, but everyone will know you've got that amount of money yeah. it then becomes harder than you think to do deals because everyone goes well you've got 200 million sitting there so this player you wanted for now for 70 he's now worth 100 or he's now worth 110 so it's not as easy as it sounds when you have all this money and I think it'll be difficult now for Liverpool to maybe do business without thinking that Salah's going to be going because I think everyone's onto it but at the same time you want it on your own terms and if he goes now it's definitely not on Liverpool's terms yeah I agree with you but I think uh, if you was in charge and you got an offer through and it started with a two. What what are you thinking? Like are you are you just outright saying no? Because I I think I would probably say oh, I don't even know. I really don't know. <laughs> you know the thing about it's, it as well for me. It's really easy to just say no. You know the thing about it. It's he plays every fucking game. And he's never he's never yeah. he's never injured. And then you look at the rest of them. You think well, they've all got little kind of a bit of a checkered history where they've missed football matches through no fault of their own, but they have missed games. He just plays all the time. I think it's a different conversation if you ask the manager versus if you ask the owners. I think they're obviously yeah, going to be yeah, interested yeah. because it's 200 big ones and they don't come along very often. So I can understand Liverpool as a club, as a business, looking at it and going, fuck me, that's ridiculous money. Of course, you've got to consider it. But from a playing point of view, it's no good to me. 200 million sitting in someone's bank account until, no, no. Yeah. until January. And then you've got to try and do work in January which is not an easy month anyway I know we have got some big players over the line in January don't get me wrong but it's not the easiest month to do business especially when you've got all that money there and you don't know what you're going to look like in terms of where you are at that point I just think keep them and then you review it at the end of the season and you go from there but it's just my view I, like I, I spoke to someone about this actually and the, the point that he made was say you sell them for 200 but you don't get in the Champions League as a result the Champions League is 100 million to you yeah. so you could keep him this season, get in the Champions League, get your hundred million there, and then sell him next summer for a hundred million, and you end up kind of bringing in the same You've amount made of the money. Odds, yeah. So. All right. Well, let's um, let's presume we do keep him because it does look like it's going to be that way. Let's really hope so. Anyway, yeah, um, all of you want a bit of a, a ranking on Liverpool's overall transfer business. Obviously, four midfielders in, no centre backs. Ian, I'll come to you first. Give me a mark out of ten. I'd probably say seven. I think, I think it's difficult because you live in the moment, don't you? And we've just delivered our most comfortable control and performance of the season so I could understand if people went a little bit higher than that 
I think before that game, one or two might have gone in slightly lower because of the the need to get maybe more defensive reinforcements in. You know, I am sitting here still a little bit disappointed we didn't pull the trigger um, on more defensive players. I would have liked two defenders to come in at the very start of the window. And that might have meant shifting out one, potentially. And I know Quantz has come in. We've played all of our centre-halves already. All five have, have appeared and we're only in game four. Um, and Quantz looks, he looks okay. I know they've got high hopes for him. But he's only played 16 times for Bristol Rovers in the third tier before now. So I think you've got to be careful with him. You don't want to push your luck too much with that. And Gomez and Matip are probably surprising one or two. But that doesn't mean I want to see Joe Matip play a dozen games in mm -hmm. a row. Because I think it might it might stretch him a little bit, both physically and just, I think, where he's at with his career. And he's been a legend, don't get me wrong. So I'm a little bit concerned that seasons can get away from you if certain things go against you. So I think Liverpool need a slice of luck with injuries. But if they get that little bit of luck, then, as I said, they're really start of the show. Who knows? But I'll probably put it at a seven for now. Ian? I'm on a, a seven or an eight. Uh, you know, I accept it would have been nice to see a couple of uh, central defenders come in, a left-sider and a right-sider, just to make sure we were okay. And I know Klopp said in an ideal world, you'd have seven or eight central defenders to cover the whole thing. But it's actually insanity having seven, seven or eight central defenders, isn't it? Because you're not going to... Most seasons you won't get through them. I think the identity of the people we've we've ended up buying for the midfield has been absolutely excellent you know a Caicedo or a Lavia would have been nice but again Lavia had only played 15 games more than Stefan Bajicic by the end of last season so you know 45 50 million for that lad who can't get into Chelsea's squad at the moment doesn't look like good money it looks like good money what we bought at the moment and we've cleverly exploited some um release clauses this positive release clause compared to what's going around you know if you're talking about Cole Palmer for 45 million so Bosley looks a lot more than 60 Josh um, I'm going to stay very on brand as a stats man and I'm going to go into the decimal points I'm going to say seven and a half I think <laughs> 7.5 for me I think it was a it was a massive job that Klopp went into um, without really the support of previous summers Um you know, Schmack is meant to be helping him out from Ibiza by all accounts. So it's it's kind of been like a bit of a different job compared to usual and it's been a massive rebuild in one specific department. So considering that, I think the outgoings have been spot on. I'm, I'm happy with every single outgoing and the money we've raised there. Um, and in terms of incomings, McAllister, Soboslai and Gravenberg in particular are three extremely good players with very high ceilings, perfect age and everything. So... Really happy with them. Um, I'm a little tiny bit concerned that we've kind of give the defensive additions a bit of an afterthought. No centre-back. And the six we've got in is um, 30 and maybe not at the level. You know, I think he's going to do OK. I think he's going to be a functional player for Liverpool, but he's not He's not the future of this team by any means. And he's, he's going he's gonna to come in and do a job at times. I think maybe a little bit of a Milner. I think, you know, McAllister starting ahead of him against Villa. Tells you all you need to know, really. So, I think going into this season, Liverpool might be um, not as great defensively as we are going forward at times. And that might hinder our ability to actually win the title. So, for that reason, just kind of viewing the, the defensive side of the game is a little maybe, little maybe a bit of an afterthought. I think I'll go with seven and a half, yeah. 
Good scores all around. Thanks, everyone. Well, we are going into the international break with 10 points from 12, so hopefully you can all enjoy that. No game now for two weeks, is that right? Two, two weeks. Two weekends. Neil, though, will be back next. No, he won't. He's still on holiday. He's helping out for my booth, like Schmacka. He's, uh, <laughs> he'll be back soon, though, but we'll be back again next week. And with everything you need during the international break, reaction from the game at the weekend, build up to next weekend's game, and lots of nice bits over the international break as well. So do come and join us over on the Amphorab. You can download the app, get yourself some free tokens, or you can join on YouTube as a member to get all of our premium videos on there as well thank you to Ian to Ian to Josh to Andy and to Ash on video and audio as well and we will see you next week Sports Social Podcast Network